2: Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet, inside the 10. Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. Rams sideline across the field from us, erupts in celebration, and so the playoffs are coming back to LA, this January at the Coliseum, we not me versus the NFC, and for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions.
3: Welcome to Rams Talk Radio, this is managing editor Derek Apollo with the man, the myth, the legend, Norm Hightower. Buddy, how you doing? Awesome. How you doing? I'm excited for the Saturday. How are you feeling about the game?
4: Well, I'm excited for football. Still preseason, so you know I don't get too excited over preseason, but it, it is nice to see football on TV.
3: Well, you gotta get at least a little bit excited, because that's what we're here to preview this game against the Oakland Raiders. Before we even do that, folks, need to ask you to head over iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Andrew, wherever you listen to us, and subscribe. Especially on iTunes. If you can hook us up with a review there, we'd we really appreciate it. We've had this contest going since, I think, the dawn of time mm-hmm. to give out a you know a $50 gift certificate to NFLShot.com to get you Ram stuff. I mean, geez, hook us up. Come on. If, you know, you feel like we're worthy, we'd really appreciate it. Otherwise, please subscribe. Uh, don't forget that uh, we're on iBeatRadio.com. They air our shows on Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Also... Just to talk about our sponsors real quick before we get into the meat of our podcast. Most of us are addicted to anything L.A. Rams. That's why you're listening, right? Because you love the Rams. You love this team. Well, this team has a rich history. And if you want to read a book that has a lot of the history, it's a bit of a personal touch, check out Jim Hawks, Hollywood team. Grit, glam, the 1950s, L.A. Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John. And who was an offensive lineman from 1953 to 1957. And as we approach uh, this new year, we're starting to get the holidays and everything. This is a chance for you to go ahead and get this book out for family now. Check out the book, okay? Glitz, glamour, all the story about Hall of Famers. Elroy League's Tom Fears, Les Richter. Just a great story about the 50s Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at Hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at Hollywoodsteam. Also, it's available in hardback and electronic format, Amazon, and Barnes and & Noble. So, you ready, Norm? You betcha. Okay, so our preview today is a little bit different. Normally we have guests on during this season, and we will. But just because it's this is more about preseason, more about seeing progress, we're just going to go through a couple questions and kind of break down what we want to see in this game, where we want the Rams to be at the end of this game, especially concerning last week's debacle in, in Baltimore, which I think we've beat that horse enough between all three of our shows. All right. So Norm, what are three outcomes you'd like to see from this game?
4: Three outcomes, <clears> three <throat> outcomes. Well, I'd like to see the the number ones for a series to see where they're at. You know, it's that time of the year where football's getting real again. Generally, they don't play much in the fourth preseason game, so we've got two games to take a look at them and you know for them to knock some rust off so. I'd like to see the number ones out there, at least for a series, maybe on defense a little more. I'd like to see the second team, you know, Mannion, step it up, play a little bit better. Not look like they did in Baltimore, where they were just, I mean, it just seemed like we were so far behind, you know? I mean, did you notice that? They looked so far behind in the game. I don't mean score-wise, I just mean they they weren't with it yet, you know what I mean?
3: They didn't see that they had their heads in the game, really. They,
4: it, I think it was to
3: me – well, you mentioned a last show that Baltimore was already on their second game. And I think that mattered. I, I think, think it really mattered.
4: I do think it mattered, and I think that's what we need to see is that kind of improvement with our team. And I just – I'd like to see some of the other – like we didn't see Perez at quarterback. I'd like to see him. You know, he had a good – today was the last day of camp. Uh, he had a good practice at camp today, uh, threw a touchdown pass at the end, got to break the huddle at the end, uh, showed some talent there. So I, I'd like to see some of those guys get a little more playing time. That's probably, that's probably about it. I mean, I just, I want to see improvement. I want to see them look like they really want to be out there instead of kind of how they did against Baltimore.
3: Okay, so for me, my three outcomes are a little more defined. I want to see... More cohesiveness on the offensive line. I know we're not going to see a lot of starters, but those backups are going to play a role this year. They, they're building depth behind the, start, the starting five up there in front. So I want to see more cohesiveness. I want to see more development there than what we saw in that first game. We, our quarterbacks are running for their lives in the Baltimore game. That's not what we want What we want to see, especially considering we're already having one suspension, Jamon Brown, in the first week, two weeks of the season. We have some older guys in the middle of the line. I would. I want to see some development. Second, I kind of want to see. I want to see more movement from the linebackers. I want to. See, I keep bringing this interview up. Samson Ebicom at Rams Fest is very confident in that unit. I want to see some of that in this game. They were very nondescript in that game against Baltimore. I want to see more movement now to kind of show why he's so high on that unit. And I think for me, three quarterback development, not just uh, Sean Mannion, but I want to see what Brandon Allen can do. I want to see what Luis Perez can do. You mentioned him just now scoring a touchdown. I want to see if there is legitimate, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A legitimate backup there for Jared Goff. Not just somebody, do they have to commit somebody? We need to figure that out. Yeah. So also, which players in particular are you looking forward to seeing in action tonight
4: or tomorrow? Well, again, I'd like to see the starters, at least for one series. I think it's important. John Kelly, uh, you're liable to see him a little more in this game just for a couple of reasons. Number number one, they want to get a better look at him. He's had a, He had a good practice again today. Uh, he's really stepping it up. And Justin Davis uh, tweaked his hamstring. So he's probably not going to play in this game. So you'll see – you, you may see Todd Gurley for a series – and then probably a good dose of Malcolm Brown, and then it's probably going to be the John Kelly show after that. So I'd really, mm-hmm. like to, I'd like to see what he can do against some of the some of the starters, or or at least some of the second team, and not wait so long, you know, down in the depth chart to see him play against a better quality uh, set of players instead of a yeah. you know a low backup. And <clears throat> I'd like to see more of Micah Kaiser. Mm. I'd like to see him in the middle uh a little earlier and play a little longer and see what he can do that's I guess those would be the players that I'm looking forward to seeing okay
3: well for me I want to see Luis Perez I want I I kind of want to see if he's a guy that can stash in the practice squad later on I don't think he makes a the team they they just need to many their spots I want to see Luis Perez just he's a good story a real good story sure I want to see well you already took Kaiser Man, you kinda of messed me up on that. I want <laughs> I've been high on Kaiser for the I don't wanna you know, I've been high on Kaiser since the beginning. So but you 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 got him first. I wanna see Noteboom. Uh, did you see that video the Rams release where he's catching a kickoff? Yes. The Rams seem pretty high on him. I wanna see what Noteboom does specifically. I wanna see him developing in there. Uh, he's gotta be working with worth. Uh, I just wanna see him progress, not just in this game but overall, because I think he's the guy the Rams are looking at long term. And for me, a third guy I want to see, I want to see more Greg Zerline. Now, before you think I'm weird, <laughs> okay, this guy basically has been our MVP multiple times over the last couple of years. And he had a couple down years, but when he was on, he was the guy, he was Jeff Fisher's, <laughs> he was Jeff Fisher's only, s- only, way, only way to
4: score was with <laughs> Zerline.
3: <laughs> but you know, there was a noticeable difference in how the Rams managed their offense those last couple of games of the season when they didn't have Greg Zerline there. They didn't they weren't willing to take as many risks because they, they needed to try and play the play the field safe. It, I, I go back to Tennessee game and poor Drew Ficken, Sam Ficken, whatever Ficken is, whatever his Ficken name is. Mm-hmm. Um he just the same guy. So I want to make sure his legs okay his back's okay, everything's fine, everything seems to be fine, but I haven't seen much of him in a game yet this year because Ollie Howe was an extra
4: point. Well, That's really. I, I watched him at the Baltimore game in in warmups, kicking him from sixty, no problem. So so he looked pretty good to me, and I, I wouldn't worry too much about that. But it, I would like to see him, you know, be be a factor in the game a little bit because. But he didn't even did he even kick that extra point? I'm not. Oh gosh, I don't remember.
3: I'm not sure. So, but. Nonetheless, we didn't see a whole lot of in-game action from him. I'm sure he's fine, but when you see with your own eyes, it just makes you feel a little better. Yeah, he's that valuable to this team. There's just no doubt in my mind he's that valuable. One more guy, the guy you mentioned, by the way, Natson. I want to see Natson a little more. Yeah, I, want...
4: I think he can be an impact player. Uh, I really do. At least from what I saw against the Ravens, he looked he looked like he could be you know really solid on special teams. I think the other thing you're going to see this game. Is a little more. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of place, you know, play scheming or any pre-game, you know, set of plays. Or I mean, they, they kept it very vanilla. You know, there there was no game planning at all, so to speak. And I think this time you'll see a little more game planning. I would imagine McVeigh's probably, you know, sat him down a little bit, kind of went over some plays that he'd like to run in the game, that a little little more. Complicated than it was last game to see where some of these rookies, you know, how they can, how they can respond. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they may watch a little film of uh, the Raiders last year, but that's not going to help a whole lot. Uh, I mean, it will for players to see what other players can do, but as far as play calling and scheming goes, you got a different coach now. So, you know, McVay knows Gruden pretty well, so I don't think there'll be a whole lot of that, but I would like to see a little bit more uh, scheming and play calling that is a little more complicated and a little more uh, testing of the group. I want to see the offense go out and actually run some serious plays. They they were very, very vanilla. You know, they ran a lot of outs, uh, nothing real fancy, not, no real fancy running plays. I'd like to see them do a little bit better play calling. So I, I would imagine we'll see some of that this week. Yeah, but I kind of doubt they're going to
3: do that at least not very much, because they play Oakland in week one.
4: Yeah, but Gruden's so familiar with McVeigh and vice versa, I don't think you know, you're going to put your great plays out there, but you can put some, some more complicated schemes out there than they did for sure That aren't, that isn't going to give away the, the farm to Gruden on what we're doing.
3: Well, I think it also depends on our next question, which is what do you want to see from the offensive line? Because with the offensive line, if they can't block, they're not going to take many risks with, with schemes either. So and we'll get there. For me, all those things together, what we want to see in terms of scheme, the offensive line is the key. If they're protecting Allen, if they're protecting Mannion, if they're protecting Perez enough to, for routes to form and so on and so forth, I can see them doing stuff. If they can't protect them, they're going to try and pr- protect the quarterbacks and they're going to go back to the middle school offense to try and protect these guys. I'm hoping that's not the case. What do you want to see from the offensive line this game?
4: Well, I'd love to see the starters in. Uh, I'd love to see how they're they're looking. Uh, I'd love to see them give Goff enough time to to maybe hook up with Brandon Cooks for sixty yards and a touchdown, that kind of thing. I'd love to see something happen there. Uh, but overall, I'd like to see our 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 second and third team in uh, you know, our backup guys. I'd like to see them. I'd like to see Note Boom go out there, light it up. I'd really like to see them look a little more cohesive and look a little more prepared to play in the NFL than they did last week. They certainly did not look prepared last week.
3: What I want to see is just development. I want to see them better. I want to see them more intense. I want to see them get down dirty a little bit in in those trenches. Baltimore beat them up. You can't win in the NFL if you can't get dirty. And so I want to see that offensive line, no matter who's in, starters or backups, I want to see them playing for their jobs. I want to those rookies, those ones who, especially who were drafted later rounds, your job's expendable. The Rams don't need to keep you. There's going to be several offensive linemen cut, surprise offensive linemen cut, as we progress into the preseason. Your job is not safe. Yeah, your they, job's not safe.
4: They need to go out there and show that, that they really want to be there and that they really want to make the team. And They, they certainly, a lot of them looked really lost in Baltimore. They did. They just they just didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know what to expect. It it just seemed like, you know, it's kind of like going from high school to college. You go out there, you don't know what to expect. I think the same thing was happening from them going to college to the NFL. They walked out there and their heads were spinning and they were just trying to figure out how to stay alive more than anything. So this week I'd like to see them, you know, show that they belong, show that they they are worthy of. Of at least being on the field, and you know, like I said, there were a couple moments where I feel like you and I could have blocked better than some of the linemen that were out there, just because uh, they weren't doing anything. I, I watched uh, Lucas; uh, he got he got, <laughs> he, got he got blown bad. up. He got blown up bad. I mean, so bad that he he reached around and blatantly grabbed the guy by the back of the jersey and just hung on to him and I was just watching it going holy cow. I mean, you got to play you're trying to make this team, man. You got to play a whole lot better than that. Show show a lot more uh tenacity and show a lot more drive that you want to be there. So that's that's more I'd like to see more of that from all the guys. But you know what's messed up about that norm? Is Lucas is,
3: is 5 years in the league. Right. 5 years. He's 6'9, 328, 5 years in the NFL. You that should not be happening to you. No. That should not be happening to you. The other guy was a Williams. Williams struggled as well. Yes. He's in his third year out of South Florida. That that should not be happening.
4: Yeah, those guys need to be gone uh, if they can't step it up. And, and I mean, they're that bad.
5: Watching it lo- live, it
4: was pitiful.
3: But, see, to me, the thing is, they're playing against, at that point, I know the Ravens played a lot of their starters late. But at some point the Ravens did put in their backups, at least situationally. Right. And they still didn't hold their ground. These are the guys that are supposed to step up when Whitworth needs a break,
4: when Sully needs a break. The Ravens' offense and defense, second and third string, literally blew our second and third string away. There was not even any comparison. And and that's gotta change. And if, if that doesn't change, then we better not get injured all year because. We we don't have the depth on the line that we hope we have unless these players step it up, and that's probably the biggest thing I want to see is I want to see those linemen step it up and actually, you know, do your job and show that you want to be there. And it just didn't feel like that last week. Well, that
3: that's what you got to look for. So what I'm looking for, as I'm looking deep down trenches, I want fight. I want them fighting hard. I want I want push off the line. I want holes. Basically, all the elementary stuff of football I want to see. I want to see that from those backups. I want to see them moving forward and not getting blown up, especially like Lucas and and Williams. There's just no excuse, man. They're veterans. You shouldn't be getting blown up by second, teams on the other side. just shouldn't be happening. Nope. Okay, so we have another sponsor we got to talk about. And Norm's looking at me like, oh, I don't want to do this one today. So I will because I love Sal. Norm, I, I'm, what's going on here?
4: I love Sal, I'll do it I'd be happy to
3: do it <laughs> So, I, I got this I gotta I, got, I got to make up for my sloppiness in the beginning Sal Martinez and the Golden Rand Barbershop Folks, Sal's been Our biggest supporter In terms of longevity, he's believed in us He believed in us before anybody else did So we're very thankful for him And in turn, we want to tell you more about what he does He owns this great barbershop The Golden Rand Barbershop out there in the Orange County area At 13755 Golden West Street In Westminster, California nine two six eight three sal is a ram diehard who opened up his shop as a shrine to the rams on the day the team left for st louis he's kept the lights on ever since he's by appointment only give him a call at 714-894 rams or 7267 use the promo code rams talk so he knows we sent you and get a discount on what's already a pretty affordable haircut his shop is open the golden Shop is open monday through friday 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. And Sunday, 7 to 4 p.m. We're getting close to football season. Don't ask about Sundays; He's at the game. Okay? But one more time, give him a call. 714-894-7267. Folks, a visit to his shop is worth it. You see this museum of great Ram stuff, great old-school barbershop chatter. Good discussion. I'm telling you right now, we, we could have been there for hours when we visited. You won't regret it. He even managed to make me look good And somehow, some way, Norm's funky-looking head looked real, okay? I'm just saying, you know, he's giving me the desk tear now. I'm lucky I haven't got a middle finger yet, but it's probably on the way. Anyways, (laughs) moving on. More questions here for this preview. What do you want to see from the quarterbacks, or Especially, I know this one's personal to you too, specifically Sean Manning. What do you want to see?
4: I want to see some growth. I want to see that he actually belongs in this league and – you know, he's in what year now? He's in his third or fourth year, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, it's sure it's means. time. It's time that he step up and actually show that he deserves to be in the league. And the way he played last week wasn't all his fault, but he looked, he looked pretty bad. And so I'd like to see him step it up and actually show that he belongs in the league and should be our backup quarterback. If not, then I'd like to see the other two quarterbacks step it up. And, you know... I haven't given up on him. A lot of people have. You know, that's why we got in our mailbag questions. We got a ton mm-hmm. of, you know, we got a ton of questions about Mannion and should we be looking for somebody else? I think this game, if he doesn't go out and perform, then yes, we should start looking. Or, or look at Perez maybe to step up there and, and, and take over that role. If he's very, you know, it seems very capable according to what we've seen so far in camp. Um, to move up I'll always with the number two? If Mannion, if Mannion performs as poorly as he did last week, then I could see Perez stepping in. I think you worked too hard today, man.
5: Uh, I, I'm to a saying, number
4: three, maybe. I'm not saying I want Perez as our backup. I'm saying I would like to see them challenge Mannion if Mannion is playing poorly. Uh, if, if we can't get the play out of Mannion that we need to get, then it's time to start looking. And there are a couple of quarterbacks, as we talked about in our mailbag, that uh, could be starters in the league. And would be nice to have a backup there that we know if something happens to golf, you know, we can step up. So it's time for Manion to, I, I hate using the words grow up, but in football scale, he needs to grow up. He needs to be... He needs to be challenging Goff for that starting position. He needs to be doing everything he can to say, hey, look, maybe I should be starting. And instead, he's just there. He's just not performing the way he should be.
3: There was sufficient belief when the Rams drafted him that the Rams overdrafted him. You were the one saying, "Uh uh-uh, this is a great one. This is a great pick. Years later here, and we get to see him live in person for the 49er game last year, and he showed some signs and we know he has the arm. So what's missing though from him? What's really going on in that in his head that is not translating to the field right now?
4: Jeff Fisher.
3: Well, Jeff Fisher's
4: gone though. I know, but who did he learn under? Who did he who did he play under? Who did he who did he start the league with? I mean, what offense did they have? He's he's learning this offense just like Jared Goff is. He's not getting as much time as Jared Goff is. So he's behind when it comes to that, and I don't, I don't blame him for that. But I saw, I saw Mannion and Cooks, Brandon Cooks, connect many times in colleges for big plays. Those two are very capable, and it, it, watching them in college, you would have thought that Brandon Cooks and and Sean Mannion were equal in talent. So now you see where Brandon Cooks is, but Sean Mannion's not there. Well. Sean Mannion came into the league and played under Jeff Fisher. There, there wasn't much learning to do there. You saw how poorly Jared Goff did under Jeff Fisher. Makes you wish that
3: there were still NFL Europe. The Rams could have sent him overseas last the spring. I mean, that's. Yeah,
4: I, but I'm just saying. I think he he came into the league at a disadvantage playing for Jeff Fisher. I mean, he had no they had no offensive coordinator. We know what their offense was like. So he he's still learning, just like Jared Goff is. But he's learning at a slower pace because Goff is getting most of the reps with the number ones. I'm not making excuses for the guy, but that's part of the reason why I think he's behind and part of the reason that he never turned out to be as good as he can be. Could I have been wrong on saying he he was worth picking at that high? I even thought it was a stretch when they picked him that high, but I said he's a lot better than a lot of people give him credit for. I'd like to see him back up those words of mine a little bit and actually show that he is. And it's time. He's been, you know, last year under McVeigh, this second year under McVeigh. It's time to show that he deserves to be our backup. If he's not gonna do that, then it's time to maybe take a look at some of our other guys challenging him. And you know, what choice do we have if we don't if we don't go out and get another quarterback and Mannion's not our guy, what's our choice?
3: What's concerning for me though is this is Sean McVeigh came in as his offensive guru. He immediately clicks with Jared Goff. Jared Goff he, Goff goes up. His growth is tremendous from year one to year two. So outside of reps, why aren't we seeing that same growth from Sean Mannion? At the very least, we should see some mental growth from him, even if you can't, don't get all the, the rep time. And we're not really seeing that. We're seeing lack of poise. Well, lack of-
4: I'm going to say it a different way. You, you're you a drywaller for a living, and you're mud and sheetrock. When you're mudding sheetrock every day, you get pretty good at it. When you're watching somebody mud sheetrock and only doing it every once in a while, you don't get very good at it. That's kind of where Mannion is in this offense. He's getting time during camp, but when the regular season starts, other than practice, he didn't get a heck of a lot of time. So, again, I'm not making excuses for him, but it is time for him to say, okay, I I want to be a starter in this league, and I want to do whatever I can to improve And if I can't start here, I could start somewhere else. That's the kind of drive I want to see out of Mannion. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of playing I want to see out of Mannion. And we're not seeing that. And that's where I think he really needs to improve. I mean, I know if I was on that field, I'd be doing everything I can to be just as good as any starter, if not better. So that if I can't play for the Rams, I'm going to play for somebody else. I want to get picked up and play somewhere else. You're not seeing that sense of urgency from Sean Mannion. And that's what we need to see from him now.
3: Okay, so moving on to another, another unit we have question marks on is the linebacking core. What do you want to see from them in this game against the Raiders?
4: Well, I'd like to see our potential starters, whoever they're going to be. I'd like to see what they line up with. I'd like to see who's calling the plays. And I'd like just like to get an overall view of this is where we're at with our starters right now, just to see and kind of get an idea. That group, whoever it is, needs time needs playing time, not just on the practice field before the first part of the season starts. That's why I'm saying I think we might see the first-team offense for one series, but I think we might see the first-team defense and a little mixture of the first-team, second-team for a while. I'm hoping for that. So I'd like to see who they're going to start in the middle. I'd like to see who they're going to have calling the plays. And I'd like to see that unit... Show us what Samson Ibakam told you, and that is they're a lot better than people give credit for. And then I'd like to see a lot more of uh, Lawler, and I'd like to see a lot more of Micah Kaiser. And I can tell you that Kaiser is all over the field, and I think at some point he could be something special. But Lawler is, dude. That that guy is stacked. I mean, he is. When when you think about a middle linebacker, you think about you know Buff. That guy is he's. Uh, to quote Mr. Sims, he's got quite the legs and ass on him. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? That's, 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 that's what Mr. Sims always says in, in his podcast about legs and ass. This guy's got legs and ass. And I really think that if if he can get some more playing time and learn the defense, I think he's got a shot at being pretty, pretty steady in the middle. So I'd like to see a lot of them, too and just figure out kind of where our depth chart is. And, you know, I, we have an idea of what they're telling us, but I'd like to see what our actual depth chart is and see what they can actually do on the field.
3: I mean, well, the Rams have a lot of list as a defensive end, so I'm not even sure they plan on playing them. But at six four, two sixty five, 265, there are were, were some feelings coming out for him in the draft that he's a guy that may make a roster. But it seems like you're thinking he has potential to do more than just make a roster but be a contributor. Is that what you
4: saw in Baltimore? I could see him being a solid backup for right now. It's too early to tell any more than that. But he looks like he could be a really solid backup, either at outside linebacker or even in the middle. He's His size actually, I think, sets him up better to be in the middle. Uh, just the way I watched him move, just to see how he's built. Uh, I'd like to see a lot more of him. He looks like he could be a really good player in the league. Uh, I'd like to see... Ibukam step it up a little bit. I, I I just don't feel like he was going 100. percent I mean, Joe Flacco is not a speedy guy, and Ibukam was chasing him down the field, and he wasn't gaining any ground on Joe Flacco, and that kind of that kind of scared me a little bit. So I'd like to see him, you know, really show us a good pass. I'd like to see more pass rush from our defense. Period, because we didn't have much of it at all. But again, we didn't have our starters in. I'd like to see Sue out there. <laughs> I mean, we're all dying to see Sue on the field, so I, I just like to see a lot more. but from linebackers, I'd like to see our starters. I'd like to see who they project them to be and see how they look. I think that's the most important thing right now.
3: I'd really like to see a guy you didn't mention at all that's Mark Barron. He's got a whole new group of people around him that linebacking core. And I want to see how he works with them. I want to see how he plays with them. I've come around some on Mark Barron. And I'm hopeful that he can be that impact player with his speed and power that comes with his specific body size that will make a difference. I'm big on Kaiser too, but I'm really concerned about the edge. I am very concerned on the outside about where Samson's going to go and who the heck's going to fill the other side as well. So I want to see more. Movement there, and I I also gotta think too. I wonder where if Oba was healthy, maybe that's the missing piece.
4: Yeah, and he's not healthy yet. At least that's not what we're being told. So, I'd like to see Oba there eventually. I think he'll be an impact player for us. But right now, I'd just like to see who who's our starters. Get them out there and 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 let us see what they can do. You know, put. I mean, obviously Aaron Donald won't be on the field, but I'd like to see Sue and Brockers out there together, probably with Westbrooks, I would guess, and see what our defensive line can do. See if we can produce some kind of pass rush. You know, I'd like to see more of what our defense could do because we couldn't do much of anything against the Ravens. And again, it's first game. You don't expect to see a lot, uh, but you didn't see much of anything, and that was kind of scary.
3: All right, folks. Uh, just one more time for our sponsors tonight. It is summertime in SoCal. Late in the summer, but still summertime. Okay, so you can... And we know that it can stay hot in the in that area all through the new year. So, folks, if you're looking your pool remodel, if you want to get in there, get it resurfaced, even get a new pool, check out Jayhawk Pool Plaster Remodeling at 4780 East Wesley Avenue in Anaheim, California. Jayhawk Pool Plaster Remodeling serves Orange County and the Southland, and they're run by Jayhawk, the eldest son of former Ram John Hawk. He built this business on a mantra of fantastic results and amazing customer service. So, head over to his, uh, his website, jayhawkpools.com. Take a look at the work. You can see the call and their finishes and testimonies provided by numerous past customers. If you're looking to remodel, resurface, or even put in a new pool, give Jayhawk a call at 714-695-0700. Again, that's 714-695-0700. You can also email them at info at Folks, it's a great opportunity Support our podcast and help fellow members of the Rams family. If you live out in the area because you have Jayhawk a call, we would be glad you did. Also, here we go. boom We're looking for sponsors. 2018 is almost here. This is a great and inexpensive way to get the word out on your business. Our numbers are growing fast. From this point last year to now, it's crazy. It's crazy. So, get in early. Save some money. Reach out to us at RamsTalk1945 or leave us a voicemail At 657-666-5453 It's Ramstalk1945 At gmail.com by the way And we'll have a media kit ready to get out to you Okay, so you've had our preview You've had our preview Norm, just out of curiosity, who wins this game?
4: (laughs) I have no clue And I don't really care (laughs) All I want to see is our players On the field Uh, You know, I'm always in preseason Sure, I'll say the Rams are going to win, but you know, I really don't care at this point. I just want to see improvement.
3: It doesn't matter. You know, the Browns went undefeated in preseason last year what happened to them in the regular season. You yeah. know, so it doesn't, it doesn't matter at all. Okay, folks, this is the last treat. We sat down with former Rams defensive lineman Tyoka Jackson uh, about a month or so ago, and it was just a really good interview. Um, great veteran for this team, especially the greatest show on turf years. It made a lot to us to talk to him. So here you go. Here's an interview with tayoka Jackson. All right, folks. I am here with Tyoka Jackson, former Miami Dolphin, Tampa Bay Buccaneer, St. Louis Ram, and Detroit Lion. I played with the Rams for four years, five years, 2001, 2005. Welcome to the show. How are you on this? It's a Monday here. How are you on a Monday?
6: Derek, I'm doing well, man. I mean, you know, Monday, Sunday, Saturday, does matter. Every day you up and around, it's a good day, right?
3: <laughs> it's a great day. Uh, none of those Mondays. I don't don't go for those. Um, right away, we, I know we're all short on time today. Just want to ask a few questions immediately because I just just doing research for this interview. Just saw who you played for: Don Shula, Tony Dungy. You played for some really interesting coaches, Mike Marks. What lessons did you learn playing for them?
6: Wow. Now, now, see you just say we're short on time, I could be here all day. just <laughs> i mean and, and, I, and I was going uh, my college coach Joe paterno too i I played for some uh amazingly uh dynamic leaders and uh, people who uh, have taught me so much about off the field stuff as well as on the field but um I mean there's so many i, I the, you know with Joe Paterno, it was uh the attention to detail um, the ability to take notes. And how that has helped me in my business career. Uh, when you are on the job, in my case, you know, as I own a couple restaurants, IHOP restaurants, shout out to IHOP, IHOP now, you know, because we got these fresh burgers. But, um, when I go into my stores and, you know, and I'm looking around and, and checking things out, just literally taking notes about what I'm seeing and not having to struggle to remember. Um, to-do this, or remember some things that I see that I need to pass on to managers but Joe used to walk around all the time in practice and literally write down notes he would do that Uh, he would yell and scream a little bit but a lot of note taking to remember to attack problems later on so that was something I learned from him and then Don Shula the way he Managed his coaching staff. He, by the time I got to him, he, you know, had served sort of advanced in his coaching career and his age, and he wasn't what I had heard about him before, which was more of a taskmaster, master, master mm-hmm. and and a guy who would be a micromanager. He sort of managed his coaches and allowed his coaches to do their job, but he made sure that his overall imprint and philosophy was going through them and into the players more so than directly from him to the players, and so. That's a great management style for, again for business, and that's exactly what I do with with our uh, restaurants. I manage my our managers and, and I empower them to do their job and so I think that works well for them and keeps them feeling uh, empowered and, and good about themselves and it also uh, still um, allows me to have the the, the type of story that I want with the type of culture that I want to infuse and, and then from uh, Tony Dungy, I learned that you don't have to be hard rear end. To get what you want, you don't have to be a tyrant to get what you want. You can, if you do it the right way, communicate everything you need, even the tough things, without having to demean or to hurt someone's feelings or challenge them in any way their manhood or whatever. You know, playing for Tony Dunsey was. A unique experience because he was both demanding and easy to play for, and that's you can't really say it about a lot of people. Usually the guys who are easy to play for don't get necessarily the most out of their players, and the guys who get the most out of their players are really hard to play for because uh, of their style of mm-hmm. delivery. And I learned from, from Coach Dungey that you, if you get someone to respect you uh, and, and, and maybe even love you, they'll go through a wall even more so than the other Uh, Type of guy. So, you know, you never want to let Tony down because it's like letting your dad down. And then finally, for Mike March, I learned the importance of infusing enthusiasm and, you know, building someone's self esteem so that they feel like they're the best at what they do, even though they probably aren't. And the way he coached me personally, I'll never forget how confident he made me feel about my abilities. I you know, when I stepped on the field I wasn't, but I believed in my mind at that time it called me crazy that I was the best player on the field. And that allowed me to play as hard as I possibly could and get the most out of my talent. And he showed a lot of love to guys like me who were the average guys as much as he showed for the greatest superstars that are in the Hall of Fame, which was some of my teammates, obviously Kurt Warner. Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, those type guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, those two receivers need to be in the Hall of Fame, by the way. And obviously, Marshall Falcon and Orlando Pace, and the list goes on and on and on. And Meas So, uh, you know, obviously, that's a lot. But you know, I could go on and on because I played for some great leaders.
3: Now, Zurn on the Rams. What was it about the Rams that convinced you to sign with them?
6: Well, you know, it was it was sort of a situation where things came together all at once, timing wise. I was playing in Tampa and I wasn't playing a whole lot and sitting behind a Hall of Famer would do that when you're playing uh, the same position and you're on two on the depth chart behind Warren Sapp you're not going to get a whole lot of playing time <laughs> I mean, that's just the way it is But and I felt that in order for me to take the next step in my career and really see if I could create a niche and, and a name for myself in this league I had to get away from a place that I learned to play the game in the professional ranks and that was in Tampa with that coaching staff we had and under the tutelage of of uh, one of the great defensive line coaches that has ever come through in Rod Marinelli. Um, and, I, you know, he, he'll go down as one of the great defensive coaches, I believe. But he taught me everything I knew about the program, pro game, and I owe uh, so much to him. And it was hard to decide to try to leave that because it was a great comfort zone for me because I was getting better every year. Just so I wasn't getting better on the field in front of everybody on tape. Because I was, again, not playing a whole lot. And so my contract was up and I decided I had to go. Well, simultaneously, uh, you know, the Rams needed a defensive coordinator uh, and they turned to Lovey Smith and, and Lovey Smith was hired away as our linebacker coach. Again, that staff we had in Tampa on defense out. was crazy. Herm Edwards was a DB coach. Uh, Lovey Smith was a linebacker coach. Ron Bernalli was a B line coach. Uh, you know, Tony obviously, it was his defense. Uh, you know, it was just an uh, unbelievable staff. And, and uh, again, the, the the changing of the guard and, and with the Rams defense with the coordinator with Lovey Smith being hired and he, he called me up and say Ty you know I want you to come here we're gonna bring this Tampa defense you know no one called it Tampa two there's no one Tampa two now but no one called it that when we were there but we we're gonna bring our defense uh, to St Louis and I finished his statement I said well and we'll go right back to the Super Bowl because the Rams had obviously just won a suvo '99 beating us uh, in Tampa to get there and and uh, hit, and lost in the first round of playoffs in 2000, and they were looking to get back in 2001, and they needed defense. And so, uh, I think that was just the timing was perfect. I didn't have to learn a new defense, and it, it really was a great opportunity. And I and I took it and
3: ran with it. And you were a key member of that 2001 team. As a matter of fact, you were a key member of that defense the entire time you were there. But what was special about that team in 2001 when they were able to get back to Super Bowl? You
6: know, I, honestly. if you could somehow rank the greatest teams to never win a Super Bowl, you would be hard-pressed to find a more talented team than that 2001 team. Honestly, if you talk to some of the people, that 2001 team was better than the 99 team. And and because they had already gone through the 99 situation and they had that experience for many of the guys on offense was there, and then the defensive talent that had come in, it really surpassed what happened in ninety nine. Obviously the ninety nine team is the champions and and you're never gonna take away what they were able to accomplish. They'll go down to history because they won it. But just in terms of talent, uh that two thousand and one team was amazing. You know, and, and, and then when you throw in the type of people with Grant Wistrom and Aeneas Williams, uh those type of personalities go with the talent. Um uh, London Fletcher, it's just, you know, Drake Bly, it just was a situation where we kind of looked around and all knew that we have an amazing opportunity to do something special. We lost two games, and in those two games we turned it over a total of 14 times. That was the reason why we lost two games. And we just turned it over three times in each game, which is a lot. We, we went all of those games and go 16-0 and be, become the first team to go 16-0. And then obviously, uh, you know, running through the playoffs and getting to the Super Bowl and running into a team who uh, was really good at spygating, who was really good at taping teams' uh, signals and using them to beat them. Uh, we ran into that team in that era, and unfortunately, uh, you know, the, the Patriots cheated their way to a win, and it sort of launched them into an era of, of unprecedented uh, Super Bowl winning and cheating. Uh, but it, and it sort of set <laughs> that 2001 team in almost forgotten land, but I'll never forget and the people the city around St. Louis and the fans and, and the guys who were on that team will never forget how great we were how talented we were and, and how we really deserved to win a Super Bowl that year.
3: I was just about to ask you how you felt about the Spogate accusations and you answered the question before I went there. And, by the way, I, I agree with you. Going back and watching uh, how they played up against, the Rams in two thousand one, that certain rule. It's pretty obvious they <laughs> it's pretty obvious they uh were uh, let's just say a, a little bit um on the unethical side uh, well, when it comes to Well
6: yeah and, and then obviously the allegations from their former uh video guy about exactly how they did things um in terms of playing teams at home and having a cameraman illegally on the side taping the signals, everything with hand signals back then especially defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, taping hand signals, uh, you know, had we not played them in the regular season that year, very good chance we win that Super Bowl because they had no other footage, except that we didn't find out they taped walk walkthrough the night before the game. But that that was, would not, in my opinion, have been enough because we didn't walk through uh, enough offensively. We didn't walk through anything defensively. We walked through a red zone play, put in a red zone play, according to Marshall Falk, put in a red zone play right there that we had never ever played before, ran before, um, put it in right there, Mike. might put it in on the field during the walkthrough the night before. And when we ran it, we lined up in that formation to run this play that we'd never run before. Marshall says that uh, they checked into a defense to take it away, and they ran the play, and they completely had taken away the, the play. And how would they have known to check to his defense and taken away? It? Is it coincidence? It, you know, obviously there are coincidences that happened in football, but then when you add it up to the other mounting evidence of all the tapes that the NFL. Uh, league office destroyed. You just know that they <laughs> had to tape when, you had, when the guy who did the taping, the videotaping of the walkthrough, says that I did it. I mean, it's obvious that it happened, uh, and it is what it is. And I'll never forget uh, that opportunity. Certainly playing in the Super Bowl, getting it was amazing, but there's nothing like winning it, and that's why that 99 team will always be the best uh, St. Louis Rams team of all time.
3: Now, in that, in that age, what are some of your best memories, though, of playing on that team from 2001 to 2005?
6: Oh, man, we, we could be here all day with that. I, you know, I think at the top of it was playing the Eagles in that championship game when uh, we did we had our last stop on defense and our offense got the ball back and was running the clock out. And then you just realize it's over now. It, it You're actually going to go to the Super Bowl. And I, 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 I'm getting chills now because I, cause I remember the feeling it's like, wow. It's actually going to happen. Be, this is beyond my dreams. I never dreamed of actually playing in the NFL, let alone playing in the Super Bowl. I mean, my dream was to play college football and get a degree, and so I'd already exceeded that. And so here I am now with my dad watching in the stands, and you know, and I'm thinking, my late mother, wow, I'm going to play in the Super Bowl. She had just, you know, passed away the year before, mm-hmm. and or two years, almost at a year and a half before, and I'm like you know, this is something that is beyond my wildest dreams. It's gonna happen. There is no if almost, we might, we probably will. At this moment I'm realizing we're about to, and it tears in the eyes, and I'm shaking my head. I cannot believe it. Uh that's at the top of the list. But, you know, so many memories of playing in big games, so many Monday night football games, so many Sunday night games, Thursday night games. When you're when you're a great team, uh the the country comes to watch you play. You know, playing against so many great players. Uh, during my time in St. Louis uh, was amazing, and just the teammates. Again, like I mentioned before, not only great, great Hall of Fame type players, but really good human beings, and that was something I had never experienced before where the talent level matched the level of people that were in the locker room.
3: What teammate made the biggest impact on your life? And this could be any team, and, and how did that teammate help make you a better person?
6: Mm. Wow, that's a great question. Um, man, picking out one, you know, I'm, I'm going to be honest, but I can't do it. I can't pick out one. <laughs> I've got a couple guys that are pieces here and here uh, that sort of help me. You know, my rookie year, I was a, a rookie in Atlanta, and when you rallied off my four teams, I didn't officially play for Atlanta because I was on their practice squad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Miami claimed me off the practice squad when I was with the Falcons. But during my time with the Falcons, from the time I signed as a free agent, a rookie free agent, undrafted free agent uh, out of Penn State, I signed in uh, in April to the time that Miami claimed me in November. Uh, I sort of followed around and stuck like glue to two guys, and that was Chris Dolman, who is now in the Hall of Fame uh, defensive end, one of the great pass rushers the league's ever seen. And then Chuck Smith, one of the maybe the greatest defensive uh, linemen to ever play for the Falcons. And those two guys taught me multiple things. Chuck taught me how hard and intense you had to practice and play every single down of every single play. And then, Chuck, uh, and then uh, Chris taught me about understanding how to handle your money and how to leave the game uh, debt-free. Learning that from him was one of the biggest things that I learned from anybody. Uh, because I think that's a lot of young people today in the game need to understand that even if you play as long as I did, which is sort of a uh, you know a century in NFL, 12 years, I mean, it's, nobody goes that long, <laughs> you know, statistically. I know a lot of fans think, hey, well, this guy's in the league, 11, 12. Well, it's 50 of them who didn't go that long for everyone who did. And so uh, you learn to take the money and use it to make your life better. Uh, and build wealth, not take the money and spend it and run through it so that after the game is gone, the money is gone with it. So Chris taught me that, and, I, and I'm forever indebted uh, for that. But those two guys jump out early to me uh, who had an impact on my career that lasted the entire 12 years.
3: And who was your toughest opponent in the league?
6: Oh, man. Um, you know, I I played some great players. You know, but the one guy I had – I had two guys that had so much trouble with. Again, I'm sorry for just picking more than one, but uh, John Runyon in Philadelphia uh, and Ray Brown when he was with uh, the 49ers. They were big guys who who were older than me, who understand how to play, who understood how to play, who did not get out of position. But as a smaller guy, I used my quickness and counter movement uh, to beat guys. And generally – bigger offensive linemen who would look at me across the line and see me, a guy, you know, at most 278, and they're 315, 330. They wanted to get their hands on me quickly and in the play, especially in pass rush situations, they end the play as, as quick as possible. If they could get their hands on me, they could relax, sit down, and just hold me until the ball's gone. Um, and so they would generally be aggressive. Uh, and I would use that aggressiveness against them with my hand quickness, foot quickness. Head fakes and things of that nature to get them out of position and beat them. But, you know, Ray Brown and Munyan knew what they were doing. They knew their technique. They played within themselves. And I didn't have the power to overtake them. And they would just sit back and wait on me as I'm waiting on them, and we look like two fools dancing, and that was perfect for them because the ball would be gone. So, and when I tried to get aggressive and tried to use power, they weren't having it because they were both well over 315 and super strong, and so that created a real matchup problem for me. And I never beat those guys for sacks. I beat players who were in the Hall of Fame for sacks, but never beat them for sacks <laughs> and it, it's because they understood
3: how to block me. And we're getting short on time, so I'm just trying to find the right questions here before we got to go. What's one thing you want Rams fans to remember about you and your time on the team?
6: Uh, You know, that I really played hard, and and I I tried to give an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. That's what I learned from my dad, uh, but watching him and my mother uh, go to work in jobs that were really tough uh, physically and demanding. uh, And so I always felt, took pride in, in coming to work every single day, including practice. Uh, And I I missed very few practice days in my entire career and and in my Rams career especially. Um, And I gave it all that I had. And I ended up falling in love with the city. You know, I I really did. The the amount of uh, respect I had for the fans who showed up in good and bad times and what it meant to the city when we won, uh, you know, I I really, that endeared me uh, to St. Louis. And to this day, I, I have an affinity for it. I still own a home in St. Charles. And I still talk fondly of it, and I, um, you know, I'm renting that home out now. But you know, part of me is thinking, you know, one of these days I need to get that renter out there and, and start uh, and move back into that home at least during the spring and summer year, uh, months, and 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 start getting back to St. Louis because I had so much fun there. Uh, it was a great place to sort of um, come into the, the to come into my own in my career, and uh, I I'll always love St. Louis because of how they treated me and my family and and the respect they
3: showed to. Uh, the Rams organization. And I guess saying it had been a little bit difficult then when the team moved back to L.A. and um, Do you follow that team today, the Rams, and what do you think of that current team that's in, on the field?
6: Yeah, I do. You know, it's certainly I'm a part of the, the the Rams legacy. As we were a part of the Rams legacy when they came to St. Louis and L.A., those past, uh L.A. players were a part of the St. Louis Rams reg- legacy. So we're all a big Rams family. Obviously, uh, to leave LA, go to St. Louis, and they come back is, is 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 different, and I you know I feel bittersweet because obviously you could argue that the Rams were an LA team, and, and they have a long history there. But St. Louis is such a great sports city, and again I talked about how they embrace the team. I did feel bad for St. Louis fans, and, and and I hope that one day they get their own team again uh, because they deserve it. But I do follow. The current Ram team, uh, obviously defensively, they are amazing, um, and, and that, as a former defensive player, that is something that I, that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, I love the fact that they run the football. They've got a great tailback. I had the opportunity to introduce him to my son uh, not long ago, almost two years ago now, and uh, that was that was great. Talking about Todd Gurley, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, one of the great defensive linemen in the league. Uh, who's who's putting together, uh, slowly but surely, a Hall of Fame career. Uh, And that's fun to watch every single week, just watching great defensive line play. I I think they have a chance to take a big step forward. Uh, The passing game was slowing them down. They need to find some playmakers outside. Uh, The Tavon Austin thing didn't work out. They moved up in the draft to get him while they were sitting in St. Louis. I wasn't a big fan of that because I thought he was a punt returner more than anything else. And you needed a number one receiver to – to really allow him to blossom and that's unfortunate and that's not even his fault. Uh, it just didn't work out the way the team was constructed and it never really worked out. So they need to find a guy who's a playmaker on the outside at the wide receiver position to allow Tart really to run uh against seven man block box sometimes. Mm-hmm. If you can do that, that quarterback, that young quarterback golf will, will certainly blossom. I think you're gonna have a defense that's gonna be take the ball away and rush the passer. So I think this Rams team, the way it's currently constructed, they can keep keep it together for multiple years, will have an
3: opportunity to make their own Super Bowl run. Okay. Well last question here. I think this is I just want to tie it all together. You have now been an entrepreneur for most of your life. Um you you have a couple of IHOPs that you've well IHOPs and uh, <laughs> 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 and you also heavily involved in philanthropy. Uh, how is the how is playing the game helped you or prepared you, or even had an impact on what you do now in your life?
6: Well, you know, I mentioned some of the things earlier in terms of what I learned from coaches, and obviously those are transferable skills. Um, and, and some of the other things, just, the you know, having the ability to compete and wanting to compete and embracing competition is something that in sports, if you don't learn and develop early on, you will get weeded out <laughs> So, um, and understanding ongoing skill development, the fact that you're never really there, it's, it's an ongoing thing. So, even when you have these great small wins in business, whether that's a, a health inspection or a corporate inspection or have great sales days or you hit your sales marks, there's another day. And every single day, you got to look to get better. And if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. I learned that from, from Coast Paterno. So, you always got to strive to get better. Never stay stagnant because the competition is coming. These are all things that in business, um, they fit in very nicely and will help you become very successful. And again, back to that attention to detail, it's the details that make the difference. Everybody has a concept. Everybody has pancakes. Everybody has bacon. Uh, It's the attention to how you deliver the experience on a daily basis that's going to set you apart. And so these are things that were very important in football and very important in business. And and so I was around some of the great CEOs that I mentioned um, to, to ever be around and they really prepared me for this business world, and I really appreciate it. And, you know, to be honest, to pat myself on the back a little bit, I paid attention. You know, you, it's not just being around somebody. It's not going to happen out of osmosis. You have to pay attention and uh, think about what's being said to you uh, and not just in terms of football. And when when coaches are speaking to other people, go ahead and do some ear hustling too because that's the way to gain some knowledge as well.
3: All right. Well, that's awesome. Um, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show and getting a chance to catch up with you. Um, is there anything else you want to let our folks know before you roll?
6: I, hey, I love St. Louis and, and hopefully we're able to cheer on our, uh, a St. Louis football team in a in, in not too distant future. Uh, but again, love St. Louis and it was great talking to you, Derek. Great conversation.
3: All right. Then we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Take care now. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Okay, Norm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you here. Great Great conversation, by the way. But I'm going to ask you, what do you remember? And you might not remember anything because you're old, but. (laughs) You're going to get your ass (laughs) kicked, buddy. (laughs) What do you remember about Tayoka Jackson as a Ram?
4: Leader. If I had to say it in one word, he's a leader. He was, you know, team captain, always dependable, just a great guy, great teammate. Everything you could ask for all the way around. What I remember is close to what you're saying, team player. He was steady.
3: You never heard his name called all that much on the defensive line, but he was the ki- the guy who kept everybody together on that offensive line. He w- Sorry, defensive line. He was just a rock in there. And it's, it's kind of sad that uh, we don't hear much more about him being switched with the Rams now, but he was so quiet that – he just kind of got forgotten. Great conversation with him. And you can see his leadership, though, because he's running an IHOP. He's running IHOPs in uh, the D.C. area and I think down in Florida as well. Just a great conversation overall. And uh, we're very thankful he came
4: on the show and talked to us and yeah, updated he, us on his life. He came in the year after the Rams won the Super Bowl, right? Yep, 2002. two. Two thousand. He, he joined the team, I think, in 2001, and, like in May. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you Because he I, he was on the team when the when we played the, the the cheaters, the cheaters.
3: You're... <laughs> <laughs> it, it just reminds it Just I was just thinking about that conversation I had with uh with the Ram Man, at the UFA thing in Canton, and he was telling me how as the president there he would never accept a a Patriots fan, ever. ever. Well, I, th-
4: I think he was voted in as uh like one of the top ten free agents that we've ever signed.
3: Oh, he was worth it.
4: Yeah, he, he, was, Definitely. he was a solid player. I mean, I can't think of anything bad to say about him at all. He was well, just he was just the guy that showed up and did his job and helped lead the team and kept his nose clean and just a solid football player.
3: And yeah, well, and he, him signing in 2001, 2005. What people forget is how bad that defense was in 2000. It went from being one of the better defenses in 1999 to giving up 471 points. In 2000, just getting blown up, and he's one of the people who comes in and stabilizes that defensive line around a bunch of young kids. Yep. And so he made a huge difference, and that defense came back around of that in 2001 year and was actually pretty sticking
4: solid. Yeah, you were it's like horrible. you were like 13 then, so I'm I'm impressed you remember. <laughs> <laughs> Saying I'm old you're, I, you're just I wish
3: I wish <laughs> I could say I was only 13 Then but actually in 2001 I was stationed In Naples Italy and I remember Where I was for that game It was 4 o'clock in the morning when I got Home because we were ahead of time And I couldn't sleep I was so upset from that game that Super Bowl yeah. I couldn't I was so man I was a heartbreaker We were all okay. upset And we, I think we still are
0: yeah, a and little it,
3: bit. I don't think we would be if we felt in our hearts the Rams lost that game fair and square. You know, I think you can accept it if you lost the game and you know for a hundred percent truth that there was no cheating. But the suspicion will always be there now. Even if even if the Patriots didn't cheat in that game, the suspicion is there now. Right. And that's I think what hurts. Okay, so before we go, our trivia question last week: What college a Les Richter graduate from? It's Cal. That's Cal. Our winner, Derek Moore. Derek Moore is our winner of our book. I contacted him earlier and sent me an email. him know, and, and I'll be sending his book to him. So this trivia question: What team beat the Rams in the 1955 NFL Championship game? And folks, here's the bonus: What was the final score? What was the final score? So, what team beat the Rams? in the 1955 NFL championship game in what was a final score. I'm not trying to beat up wounds here, but Rams history is Rams history. And and they were still in that game.
4: So we want to acknowledge that time, especially since it's the time during which the book took place. And if you say that I saw that game live, I'm going to reach through the screen and strangle you.
3: Well, fortunately for me, that's physically impossible <laughs>
4: yeah well I'm gonna be seeing you but, in Detroit this year so <laughs> if you want to go to the game be able to walk you better be nice
3: <laughs> <laughs> it will be nice gonna both Chicago and Detroit that's back-to- back weeks
4: yeah I'll be I'll be Detroit I don't think I'll be Chicago but
3: okay anyways Rams talk 1945 gmail.com send us the trivia answer there and uh, we'll send we'll send the winner a book folks. We're giving away, we away free stuff. Enter the contest, man. Help us get to know you a little bit. We always respond to you. I always respond to the emails that come into us. I respond to you on Twitter. Uh, when Norm shows up on on the internet once in a while, he he, he might say something, but <laughs> he's stuck his tongue at me. Um, just it. We we're here for you. We do this show for you. It has never been about money, although we'd like to make some. It's really about because we love this team, we, uh, we love covering this team, and we enjoy interacting with you. So interact with us, please. We're asking you to. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at TalkRams. And on Facebook, at Facebook.com forward slash RamsTalk. We also have a group in there, which is growing, by the way. It's growing. Rams Talk Room. You can find me on Twitter, at DC Apollo, You can find Norm at Norm Hightower. Again, he checks it once every three or four years. Don't forget us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play, Player FM, and IE Beat Radio. Okay. For Norm Tower, this is Derek C. Paul. Take it easy. We'll be with you Sunday night.
4: Adios, marbles. ha
1: <laughs> Let's make Vision Zero a reality in D.C. Almost half of D.C.'s traffic fatalities come from impaired driving. These deaths are 100% preventable. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. Never drive impaired. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drugged drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. A message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department.
0: For the ones standing guard. For the eagle-eyed. For the knights in shining armor. And for all those who support them. We are Granger, your experienced safety partner. Offering supplies and solutions for every industry. Committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickrangercom slash safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
5: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network.